this one I think is going to be very, very interesting. And I, I got some stuff to say, and we'll see. We'll see how we respond to it. Okay, time yeah. starts now. So, uh, we'll go ahead and for the editing sake, get started in. Oh, what is that? What is that? Okay, no, we're good. Get started in three, two. Pull up my script. One. Welcome back. That was an awful clap. Let's try that again. Welcome back to Recap, the podcast where we cover some of the latest news featured on our social media pages and beyond. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I am your almost always host, Mr. Nazagonia Joshua <laughs> And with me today are the greatest writer of all time, Anthony Arnold, and the greatest he, him, homie, I think I like that more, like than just he, him, or homie. That he, him. Wait a homie. minute, did we vote on the goat thing, or is this? <laughs> did you self-assign this, Anthony? It sounds like a self-assignment. No, it, it was. Okay. It was I, I, I'm just checking. I'm out. Yeah, Not for sure. <laughs> your, your title brought in the boss to make sure it was kosher. <laughs> that was the greatest boss of all time, Francine Dash. Yeah, the greatest boss of all time <laughs> in the background, Francine Dash, the boss lady of Pointcast herself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that more for you. The he, him, homie. Or the, like the greatest he, him, homie. It, it yeah. flows a little better. It flows, yeah. it flows good. Yeah. Did you say How my name How are you afterwards? gentlemen doing? I can say it now. This afternoon. <gasps> doing great. Um, let's talk about your singing in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so right now his picture <laughs> is of two giraffes. And it looks, they're silhouettes and the background is orange. So it looks very similar to the opening of Lion King. But my yeah. question is: Is this is this what you're going for? Are you Josh? Uh, I don't know the words. I mean, who Josh are you? Lion King Hyde? Are you Josh yeah. Lion King Hyde? Are you I, Josh Lion King Hyde? What's the, what's you, the? Us, are you Simone or Pumbaa? Who are you? Uh, I, I am the Lion King. I am Josh really? the Lion King Hyde. The Josh the Lion right. King trademark Hyde. Yes. <laughs> you're the dude who gets stamped stamped out by the wildebeest. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> oh. Okay. I, I get betrayed by my brother, and uh, my son is left to fend for himself, unfortunately. Oh, so wait, no, that makes you Mufasa. So now, now I'm confused. <laughs> You're thinking about it too much. I am. Yeah, I, well, I, I have to fill Alex's shoes in this, so I have to overanalyze. Ah! Because it doesn't just quite ah! sit right with me. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> There's just this so. one little nitpick I got to get out, so... <laughs> We can't be throwing too much shade. He's not here to defend himself. So, um, I want to go ahead and take a second. Uh, as I've as I've mentioned in a lot of these, uh, these last couple shows have been based off of some conversations that I've either been part of, seen witness to, or seen articles uh, either shared with us or otherwise that are kind of summarizing these points. And I want to give, especially for this one, I want to. Uh, pay some lip service to the point that's being made, but also kind of dive into what I think the actual problem is and the thing that people aren't paying attention to. That's where we're going to go with this. So here's my spiel. Over the last 20 to 30 years, video gaming has become a multi-billion dollar industry. More people than ever are spending their free time getting lost in fictional worlds. As that has grown, so have the number of arguments against it. 
It's been a long-held belief that witnessing violence in video games is directly linked to performing acts of violence and aggression in real life. However, I personally think this is being used as a front for something far more sinister. I'd like to talk about that. But first, let's take it to Anthony for the question of the day. Question of the day. So this one is, again, the focus here is gaming, by the way. So the question is this. With VR's ability to be used as a therapy tool and cause real documented behavioral change, should we be more concerned about its potential impacts when it's used in gaming? Because to your point that you just mentioned, Josh, there's always been this concern that gaming can lead to real life behavioral changes. VR actually does. That's why it's used as a therapy tool because it can lead to real life behavioral changes. That would seem to suggest a potential double-edged sword. Um, That the things people have worried about, perhaps unfairly, maybe could be real in the case of VR. So should we be concerned about that? Who wants to go? go ahead and take this first. Yeah, go ahead, man. That's going, yeah. Um, I, I think that we should always be careful because everything that has ever been made for good has the capacity to be used for evil. Yes. Now, like, obviously, we're, I'm, I'm using good and evil a bit loosely here. Um, VR is a very powerful tool and in the wrong hands can cause problems. We've seen this. Uh, We've also seen examples of it, you know, being used for things like physical therapy and other things along those lines. So I think it really just depends on how it's being used. I don't necessarily think that it's a problem, but it can be. All right, Nick, homie. Um, Could you repeat the question for me? Yeah. With VR's ability to be used as a therapy tool, for instance, and cause real documented behavioral change, should we be more concerned about its potential impacts when used for gaming? Um, I have a, I have a, I'm a, I'm a maybe on this, on this one. Um, All right. Because the reason that the VR is working for behavioral changes in terms of therapy is because your brain is functionally not seeing a difference between right. the rea- the virtual reality and real life. If you want to test right. this theory in person, put on a VR headset, go into Minecraft, fly up to the highest point, look yep. straight down and then drop. Yep. You will yep. brace when you land because yep. your brain thinks you're literally falling, even though if you consciously know this is Minecraft and you can't fall, yep. Yep. <laughs> like physically. Yep. Um, so I think there's levels to it, um, because I, for instance, if you put VR Call of Duty, and I don't know if that's a thing, I don't know if Call of Duty's on VR yet, but let's say you got it, and so now you're facing against, um, the Russians and the Americans in whatever war, who cares, that's Call of Duty's thing, they love war, um, and you're shooting Russians, I don't think you're going to be predisposed to shooting Russians. And I also don't think you're going to be better at shooting a gun. I think 
I'm not even sure you'd be predisposed to wanting to hurt people more. Um, Because I think the connection herein is not necessarily behavioral as it is habit. So when you have these therapy changes, I think it's habit. Like, um, it's 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 not due in part to your brain chemistry changing. It's not due in part to your um, whatever. It's habit. I think it's habit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think well, you, I guys. guess to actually answer your question, I yeah. I think no, but maybe. <laughs> um. My answer on this is yes, because of what you said in the beginning, I think um, if the brain cannot distinguish between the virtual world and the real world, which was always a crucial distinction for like normal gaming, like I, I know Skyrim is not real. I am holding a controller. <laughs> right. Do you know, right. you know VR Skyrim is not real? <laughs> <laughs> right. The question is, does your brain know VR Skyrim isn't real? Um and if your brain can't distinguish the difference between the two, yes, I, I would be concerned about committing acts of violence in a situation where you're, or having violence committed against you in a situation where your brain like thinks you're being shot. Like this is where we run into the issues of a VR with things like if you are sexually assaulted in VR, like your your brain is processing this like an assault. Like, okay, that that would seem to suggest that the trauma caused by that could be real then. Mm. Like the psychological, even if the physical part of it isn't the same, the psychological trauma would seem to suggest it could be the same. So uh, I, I have real concerns about violence in VR games because your brain can't distinguish it from reality. And I feel so, like that's very fair. Like that that is a that is a fair concern to yeah. have, especially given the whole point of VR is to take you out of yes. the physical realm and yes. give you the sense that you are in all ways, you know, where the fictional thing is taking place. Correct. Correct. Uh the removal of that barrier that's always existed in traditional gaming. I was like, well, that comes with some potential risk, I would think. So mm-hmm. Um, there you go. That's the question of the day, the question of the episode. Uh, this one will definitely be a poll. <laughs> I assure you, I will be, I will make, I will definitely make sure this one gets up on our, on our Facebook page. Cause I know there's some gamers I have who follow us, uh, gamer friends I have, I'm assuming you guys may have the same. So I would love to hear their answers to this specifically. Yes. We, we definitely want to hear what you guys have to say about that. This is, uh, most of the people who are involved in, at the very least, the recording of this show, if not the production, are gamers themselves. And so um, issues like these are kind of close to our heart, or at least mine. And I'm the, yeah. the host, so we can say it's close to our heart. <laughs> oh, we're gamers. So if you, if you play uh, we, Candy Crush, you a gamer. You a gamer? I mean, yeah, that, that counts. <laughs> You're not a real gamer if you don't. <laughs> ah, you stop that right now. That was a previous pod. We're done with that. Oh, sorry. We're sorry. done with that. But no, um, yeah, we, we definitely want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Uh, but we'll go ahead and move on to, uh, well, since Alex isn't here, Nick, do you have yes. any trends for me, buddy? I do. I have a trend. I have VR-based trends. So I don't know if you happen to know the timeline 
of events and tech development for VR. Now, I'm not going to be comprehensive here, um, but I am going to give you some broad strokes. Basically, um, it all starts 1838 with Sir Charles Wheatstone, which is a name. Um, <laughs> Sir Charles Wheatstone. Wheatstone. Um, I'm trying to think if that name might have been based off an of occupation, but what in the what occupation would Wheatstone be? Are we talking anyway. about like wheat, like the like the plant? W h e a t s t o n e, all one word. I'm not I gonna lie. This. I thought I thought it was like you. It was a funny way of you saying whetstone, like the no. one you'd use to sharpen a sword. And I was like, I, unless this is just an improper spelling, which would make sense. That would that would track. But no. Okay, so. Wheatstone was the first to describe stereo, 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 wow, that's a weird word, stereopsis in 1838 and was awarded the Royal Medical, Royal Medal of Royal Society in 1840 for his explanation of binocular vision. Basically, um, yeah, he kind of made this sort of weird mirror contraption that uh, is the precursor to VR. And we don't get anything new until about 100 years later in 1935 with Pygmalion Spectacles, which is essentially, you know, just glasses that, um, to quote, enable a, movie, enable a movie that gives one sight and sound, taste, smell, and touch. You are in the story and you speak to the shadows, uh, parentheses characters, and they reply. The story is all about you and you are in it. So I guess sort of think of those like, Nineteen uh, 1990s um, Mario books that were like make your own adventure. Yeah, uh, but for but they're goggles. Um, 1956 is cinematographer Morton. I can't read these names. Helig, H E I L I G. Um, he created the sense sensorama, which basically looks as 1950s futuristic nonsense as you could get. Think an arcade cabinet that goes over your entire head. Yes. Um, <laughs> in the 1960s, that same person patented the telesphere mask, um, which you know mounted to the mounted to a head display. Um, there's no image, so I can't really describe what that looks like. There's a couple more discoveries along the way until we get basically. Uh, you know, it develops over time until basically we get to the around the 1980s, where they started. It starts looking a lot more like we think of VR, the big block over your eyes situation. Uh, they even have gloves involved. Um, 1982, the Sayer gloves, S A Y R E, uh, were created by Sandin and Defonte, who I assume were mentioned earlier. These gloves were the first wired gloves, and they monitored hand movements by using light emitters and photocells in the glove's fingers. So when the user moved their fingers, the amount of light hitting the photocell varied and then converted the finger movements into electrical signals. Basically, you could you know, see where your hands were at. Um, in 1989, NASA got their own version. It looks very similar to what we have now, except the word NASA is printed over your eyes. Um, <laughs> and it was used as VR training simulations for astronauts. Which kind of ties back into your thing, Anthony. Like, people were learning right. how to be astronauts just from being in simulations. Right. Um, and it isn't really, you get a lot of variations in the 90s. Um, there's this whole chair situation designed um, by NASA. Um, 
that looks as 90s as you could get. You basically look like a Dalek without the front part. It's weird. <laughs> um, and I, I love the visual there. Yeah. And it isn't really until about 2012 that the Oculus Rift comes out. Um, and then 2015, when VR becomes a lot more available for the general public. Um, so we're almost at the 200-year mark. We're about 15 years off, or not anymore. We're about 10 years off of the 200-year mark of the concept of VR. And um, it really didn't start being a whole gaming thing until about, I would say, 1994 when Sega started releasing their version of it, the Sega VR1, a motion simulator arcade machine. Um, so that's a, that's a brief history of VR. That's actually really interesting though. Yeah. yeah. Especially to know that it goes back that far. Right. People have been obsessed with experiencing things outside of themselves forever. Oh yeah. Just like oh, how we yeah. talked about people have been trying to go, like last episode, we talked about how right. people have been trying to go into space since like the 50s. Right. It's the same idea. People humans, look at the reality around them and are like, I want something more. Humans don't change very much. God. Oh, <laughs> that does not bode well. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's it's kind of true. Humans don't change very much unless there's a precedent to do so. Extremely ill, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I that was... I always appreciate, I always learn something from, from the trends usually because sometimes I learn like opinions that I didn't know from you guys of, like about the questions, but I'm usually like absorbing information I did not actually have when it comes to these trends, man, because like, right. I, that's just really cool. Like I just, I, I'm a person that just really likes to know about the history of stuff. So that's, that's really dope. And that's going to go in a fun fact later that I may or may not come up in a party. So yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about what I want to get into, which to start with is the uh, supposed correlation between violence in video games and uh, violence in real life. I know this has been talked to death. I don't think we need to go over the whole situation itself. A lot of people consider it a tired argument. Um, what I basically wanted to do was at the very least pay some lip service to the point being made just for the sake of, of, of it being there. So yeah. it, it's often been used as an argument when looking into the motivations, especially behind people like mass shooters, uh, as to why they're doing you know what they've done. There are several things that usually get brought up. One of the things that in my mind gets brought up the most often is usually that person's inclination to play or be involved in violent video games. Um, in situations like, you know, mass shootings and the such, do we truly, do we, this is a personal question, do we truly believe uh, that video games play a factor in these kinds of situations? We know that these, these individuals especially are very impressionable, uh, we know that, you know, several things in their life get spoken to power um, in the situation of someone committing an act of domestic terrorism like this. Do we actually believe that the video games play a part in that? So I wanted to look up something. Every time, every time um, video game violence gets brought up, 
GTA is always the 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 forefronting yep. uh yep evidence people use. Yep. And I want to bring something up. GTA 3 was at the height of violence in video games is bad because it was really the first time um people paid attention to video games like that. Yes. GTA no, 3 with the exception of like Mortal Kombat, but yes. Yeah, with the exception of Mortal Kombat, but Mortal Kombat wasn't it was not on the same level, uh, truly. Um, yeah. uh, so GTA 3 came out in 2001. And right now I have a website pulled up called Macro Trends. And I looked up crime statistics since GTA 3 came out. And it the trend overall declines. Yeah. Um, for this specific year, it's up. But the overall trend declines from 2001 to 2002. So... I'm going to have to say video games are getting more advanced. There's way more violent video games than they were than there were in the 90s and, and uh, early 2000s. I'm going to have to say it's a load of crap. <laughs> There's no statistical correlation between crime statistics and violent video games. Uh, yeah. There's definitely no correlation. I, what I tend to think to give the argument, I guess, you know, to steel man it, um, I think there's this real obsession with the is it causing violence aspect of it. When what I think is happening is there's broader concern about the overall impacts it's having and not necessarily violence, but things like are these worlds too addictive now? Are they too time consuming? Right? Like I think that's a better question. Right. Not so and much I, and is I, it causing violence? Is it causing them to not live their life? Right. And, and I think sometimes the violence question is a stand-in for a bunch of other concerns that aren't being articulated very well that I think are much, <laughs> the evidence is less clear that like World of Warcraft is too time consuming. That like, as, as three of us who've played Destiny, does Destiny demand too much of your time in an unhealthy it way? It go, did. Yes. <laughs> that is the exact yeah. reason I stopped playing it. But I don't yes. I don't feel like I need to go outside and shoot things now because I played Destiny. It was right. just, yeah. Right. I don't, but if I'm not going to go try to swing on buildings because I played Spider-Man right. on PS4. Right. But if you were to ask me did destiny prevent me from doing other things like reading or maybe spending time watching shows with my kids or writing articles? I would go, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I, that's, criticism. yeah, fundamentally that's a very different question. And I think the right. violence question, right. Um, always, I agree with what your assessment though, but, um, I think the violence question is always posed by people who have, this blanket moral objection to violence, generally yeah. specific types of Christians, not going to name names, um, <laughs> but there's specific types of Christian groups who thinks violence wrong um, right. when I don't like it. Right. And when I don't like it tends to be video games. The issue is humans have been violent since forever. Uh, I, In fact, I would argue now we're probably the least violent we have been ever even if we're the most capable of destruction. Those are two separate, those are two separate <laughs> things. Those are two yep. separate things. Don't get that, yep. don't get that confused. 
but we're not constantly warring all of the time now. We're not in a, a set of three crusades while having while China is having several dynasty fights. While um, I only know those two places, but you get <laughs> yes, but you, absolutely. You get, like we're probably the least violent we've ever been, and it's not due to video games for or against it. Correct. Okay. So I think that answers your question, right, Josh? No, it for sure does. And actually, I think this is a great segue into one of the points that I was going to make, uh, which is that I think specifically, like you said, uh, the violence question is being used as a way to mask the other parts of video games that are that are becoming problematic, like the addiction and the gambling that have been very, very pervasive in like video gaming design mm. yes yeah now another part that i specifically think is happening that i want you guys opinion on is that i think especially going back to my question about like what what leads to and affects you know people who are committing like mass murder um one of the things i think is almost always relevant in that case but is significantly overlooked is this person's ability to either purchase or obtain weapons that allow them to do this. Because if someone is going into a mall with malicious intent with a knife, there are significantly less people that they can harm than when they go into that same situation with an AK-40 fucking seven. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think so yeah. I oh, think. But uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the I, I agree with that entire sentiment that it's the weapon that's like really the issue here and getting access to said weapon of, for lack of a better term, mass destruction is a problem. Um, and, it, and it kind of ties back, what I was going to say, kind of ties back into what Anthony said about VR. If you go into VR to learn karate, you're probably not going to be very good at karate by the end of it. Um, and if you try and if video games cause the violence and you go to the mall and try to kick people in the head, it's not going to kill people and you're probably not going to succeed. Yep. And I don't think that the karate simulation is going to force you into that as much. Right. If you're going to if you're predisposed to violence, I don't think video games are a cause. I think you have access, you are predisposed to it and you have access to something that causes like like guns that causes mass shootings to what you said, Josh. Right. Um, sorry for the short tangent. You can continue. No, you're good. No, it wasn't a tangent. <laughs> it was, it was a, it was basically like a, a further iteration of my point, uh, which is that I think in many situations, the violence, and, and this is mostly the, the, the point of my show uh, today is that like violence in video games is being used to mask other problems. And I think that that in and of itself is a problem. I do think the the violence argument is tired, uh, mm -hmm. just because I think we have documented evidence that it's no longer relevant, even though it's still being talked about today. But uh, I think as of right now, it's actually really, what, what it's being used to mask is significantly more sinister. And that is what I want to pay, like help people pay attention to. That, that, that is the purpose behind the show today to point out some of the things happening in video games and otherwise that I think are actually the problems 
not violence. And so if you are someone who either knows someone else who has a pretty hard stance on violent video games, or if you have had one yourself, I want to give you a chance to examine why you feel that way and what that might be coming from. All right. Now, going into that, uh, I want to go ahead and talk about some of the things, especially that I've seen in the world of video gaming that is problematic. And I want to uh, take a quick aside to explain what I call the Skinner Box Theory. Are you, are you guys familiar with uh, Skinner and, and the Skinner Box as an example? Yes. I'm not. I'm assuming it's a Simpsons reference. No, actually. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, so it's always Skinner, a Simpsons reference. I, I, for, I forget his first name, but, but Skinner was like a behavioral psychologist, psychologist, I think he was. Um, and he basically showed that in almost every scenario, um, if people, or not people, if, if things, animals, uh, are given something to positively reinforce uh, a negative tendency, they'll do it until they die. Like there, there are documented situations in where they will continue to like create problems for themselves if like that problem comes with something that they know that they want, like food. Yep. And so this same philosophy has been applied to things like video games, not only to make them more addicting, but to just like do things like get people to grind for that one piece you need to make the best armor in the game that only has a 0.0001 drop rate. Uh, but like every now and again, you're getting something else. It's, it's, it is slot machine roulette ideology at its finest. Um, same with all the controversy regarding like loot boxes that we've seen, especially over the last like five, six years. It is video games are being designed in a way that can consistently make people engage with them rather than yeah. being something that you interact with and then move on. Correct. Yes. No. Yes. And this that is, is also a concern. Uh, yes, it's a real concern. Uh, it's one that um, the gaming industry has absolutely, it's the thing the gaming industry has abused to ridiculous success and to yeah. absurd degrees. And it's one that I think, you know, I say this because we're all gamers, right? I think the gamer community for so long, because the gaming community was attacked with these really like nonsense attacks, like you guys are leading to people killing people. Okay, that's kind of bullshit. I think the gaming community got really defensive about criticism. And I think it that has made the gaming community really slow to react um, to what are very real problems, like Skinner boxes being used to make people incredibly addicted, um, just wildly addicted to games. Right. I mean, whether it's Destiny or Fortnite or any game with a loot box, with a reward system, like all of these games are abusing this. So, so many games now abuse this to make players feel like, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out, 
um, seasonal events, daily challenges, daily rewards, right? The whole thing is just conditioning you to come back forever to keep hitting that little lever so you get yep. something. To keep interacting with it. And, and often forever. you lose, sometimes yep. you win, but in most yep. cases you're doing the thing. And that's yep. all they really want is they just want you doing the thing for as long as humanly possible. Yes. Yes. This has been one of the very worst developments I think I've been gaming my entire life. Um, this is one of the worst developments I've ever seen in gaming. I agree. Um, yeah, it is. When we talk about this and this, you know, gets into our discussions we had previously about things like what's going on with men or other discussions we've had variously, right? Um, the development of like incredibly addictive video games I suspect has been a problem for men. <laughs> Everybody games, but like women game a lot, but I suspect this has, I don't know what's happened. I suspect something has happened where there's a large number of young men who feel addicted, who are addicted to games. Like I will say it bluntly. So yeah. I want to add in something that I think is, is important to this conversation. Um, not even just so much in the industry way, but in the way um, our society has made it so that gaming is now a communal space. Um, there are very few communal spaces yep. that we exist in. We exist in our house, at work, and then sometimes a function. But that's, depending on the person, that can be really rare, um, especially yep. if you're a gamer. And the thing about that is that now, on top of all of this shady um, uh gambling-esque business practices that uh, gaming companies adhere to, the, the industry adheres to, you also have a sense of community with the people you play games with. The yeah. reason, the reason I was addicted to World of Warcraft from 2006 till, I don't know, um, <laughs> like 2013 was because of how the community was set up and how I could meet people through the game and how I could interact with people and how I would look forward to outside of school coming back to play WoW, not because I really enjoyed how WoW played or how I really loved Blizzard or any other dumb bullshit, but how I distinctly loved the community involvement and how yeah. I could interact with people. You're, it's this extra layer of, um, uh, I forget what, what, yeah, of attachment uh, that yeah. is very hard to replicate. And yeah. It's a problem. It's the same thing with Destiny. Part of the fun of Destiny is meeting people, um, especially when you're doing like really hard content. Yep. Yep. No, that's I, absolutely true. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say like, I, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I, I think kind of going into several of the conversations we've had recently regarding, uh, you know, things happening with men, uh, trends in social media, whatnot, like the idea of an online friend is very different than it used to be. Because in the past, like your online friend was like somebody you saw in a chat room maybe once, and then you've probably never spoken to again in your life. These yep. are people that you spend lots of time with, not real, you know, in-person time, but still like you guys are both together doing the same thing usually for long periods of time, like actual yeah. friendships are made. 
yep. in these scenarios. And just like we know how it's a whole lot easier to keep up with your New Year's resolution if you have a friend doing it with you, it's a whole lot easier to deal with shitty game practices if you're doing it with your butt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually no, that, that, that's the, the, the community that happens, which really doesn't happen anywhere else. I, I don't think the same kind of community that it gets built around something like the space of gaming can or does happen anywhere else, maybe outside of sports. Yeah, I, I think those are maybe the only, only other thing two I can think things of. Yes. like that that can garner that kind of like people come together camaraderie because yeah. nothing else brings us together other than a common enemy, like fucking a nation of people that you want to destroy. So like, um, yeah. like Unlike with with sports, you are a participant. Yeah. Also true. Cranking it up even further. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I made, I recently made this whole video on why I don't play Destiny 2 anymore. And I mentioned it's a group of ever looping cycles that you're trapped in. Um, that is an industry-wide issue. There's the friend cycle, which is basically um, specific to Destiny. They promise new content. So your friends are like, oh, you got to come play. You go to play with your friends and it sucks. So you leave and it loops like that forever. Oh, <laughs> Anthony's like, triggering. this is like yeah. triggering. Yeah. <laughs> the second the second one, um, if I remember correctly, was, I don't remember the second one, but I remember the third one. And the third one was a reuse cycle. And it wasn't reuse cycle as in nostalgia bait, like, oh, we're going to use the same guns over and over and over. It's the weekly cycles. It's the weekly content cycle of of constantly, like, do they just reuse the same stuff. So you're paying um, for this $60 expansion plus $20 for this season pass for four to six weeks of the same thing. I, I can give a specific example, and it's the um, season 16, every season really, um, but season 16 where, I believe it was 16, where you, with the Cabal, were fighting like the ghost of Savathun through Lucent Hives. There was only three variations, and you had to do this for weeks. Weeks. And yep. it was always the exact same. And they yep. do this. They this is their This is their money cycle, and this... If it wasn't Destiny, it would be somebody else because what else can you do? The time constraints of a developer are are insane. So you have to find ways to cut where you can while also keeping people involved. A weekly cycle makes a ton of sense. And it's part of the reason outside of like LFG that I left or LFR, LFG that I left World of Warcraft is because in Legion, they had that same weekly cycle of just like random dailies out in the world, random weeklies. I hated it. it. sucked i didn't i don't want to play games that do that i can play god of war 2018 five times in a row and not get bored because it's just that engaging on its face i don't need the weekly bullshit and not even Um, that like it's it's, it'd be it'd be one thing if like you were playing god of war for a week and you were doing the same thing in god of war for a week right i i think the idea of like the weekly, the daily, the monthly challenge that usually just rewards you like a currency that isn't actually all that useful. Because in most cases, what are you actually getting from all that time you're putting into completing these challenges? Not actually shit. Right. In and most it's not cases. Like, it's not like it even helps you. Like the original reason that they would do this is for end game content. You do these yeah, weeklies, right. 
so that you can get good gear for endgame content. Right. But now it's not even part of that. I no. did Grandmaster Nightfalls for, I don't know, the entire season 15, I want to say, season of the Lost, whatever season that was, just because. And I didn't right. need to do all the weeklies and dailies once I hit light level cap. Right. You do and it for it, a character. For a character scan in a game where you can't see your character 90% of the time. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> to show off to your friends. Yeah. Right. You hit that, you hit that soft cap, and now the weeklies and dailies are completely pointless. Right. And so you have to yeah. do this other stuff to get to the hard cap, like uh right. bounties. Like you just have to do right. a shit ton of bounties so that your light level right. goes up. And to and be clear, like what like like what we are describing is not a you know, people who may not know, if you made it this far and you're not a gamer, like Thank you. For people who don't know, <laughs> like Destiny, Destiny is not the only example of this. Um, and what we are describing is addiction. Yeah. Like absolutely. And, and I know we got a rap, but out forget violence. The the thing people should be concerned about is addiction. Like the business model of gaming, the way games are built and designed to be played in perpetuity is an addiction model. Yes. I mean, the model for creating and maintaining addiction. <laughs> and that no. is something gamers should be concerned about. And it's something like legislators should be forget does this game make you shoot people? The question you should be asking is does this game make it so that you you don't want to leave your house? No. And <laughs> interact with other human beings and right. go to your job and be a productive member of society. Yes. Right. Now, th th I know we spent a lot of time kind of bashing on the modern gaming day industry or the, the modern day gaming industry, but I'm going to close this by saying that's not the only thing that games are for those right. of you who aren't actually in the sphere. There are still good things that games do. Uh, one of the things that we, we talked about even from the very beginning, VR being used as a way to help people with things like physical therapy. Um, there's a couple other ones that I documented that I don't remember where I put it because I, I have my other things up right now. But um, gaming can be used as a force of good, even like VR training, like uh, that was brought up, you know, at NASA. Like that's a thing. I know it's not necessarily gaming, but like that that technology can be used for things. Oh, here it is. Like uh, reflex testing, uh, physical therapy, I already mentioned that. Uh, things along those lines. Th those are good things that have come from the use and uh, perpetuation of these technologies. It's not all bad, but a lot of it is bad. <laughs> and I want to make sure that you guys know, um, you guys know what we think you should be focusing on instead of just the violence piece, because that's all that's going to get talked about. Yep. Now, all that being said, this podcast has been brought to you in part by LEI Productions, the studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, where you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. We don't have a VR thing yet, maybe in the future, who knows? Uh, also, be sure to like us and follow us on Facebook for more pods, articles, and possible polls like the one we covered today. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all at home for hanging out and listening, especially if you made it this far. We'll see you next time. Josh, out.